This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Wednesday, August 17th. The Cubs picking up their fourth series win in a row. Brendan, don't let David Ross's boys get hot. Look out. Look out. Listen, Milwaukee has picked it up a little bit, but you just keep winning series. They could they could just win 15, 20 in a row here, Corey. Mm-hmm. It's definitely possible. Right. My usual uh, you know, amendment there that some folks listening don't know that you're being sarcastic they no and they idea. might just think they you're no a psychopath, idea. Brennan. They wouldn't some be some actually like that. No, some are like, you know what? I like this. They're, he's so right. They could definitely do it, Corey. Right. Uh they yeah. cannot and they will not, but <laughs> They did win this series. They take two of three from the Nationals, winning the rubber game on Wednesday. So we have three games to break down. We will talk about that. We'll talk about Justin Steele continuing to do good things. Uh, The Cubs getting Franmil Reyes for nothing from the Cleveland Guardians, which is looking like a real steal of a move for Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins. Uh, P.J. Higgins with a nice game on Wednesday. Drew Smiley continuing to pitch really well. And we'll touch maybe a little bit on uh, some of the struggles of Seiya Suzuki and kind of put that into context. Uh, But plenty to talk about here. The the general theme, though, Brendan, like the four series wins in a row, like this team is playing pretty decent baseball right now. They're playing decent baseball. I think the Fran Mill uh, pickup has been really interesting. It changes my thinking process. What's the playing time situation looks like from here on out, and then maybe what even the offseason plans are. So the fact that they're winning games, some people want to be like, oh, you know what? I want those draft picks. But when your guys do well, when Franmo does, does well, when Nico does well, like that's going to win games. So you know, if they're winning games, it means some guys are doing well that are going to be relevant for next season. So overall, it is a good feeling. Right. Yeah. You know, actually, before we jump into just reviewing these, these games real quick, I, I do want to talk about uh, Nico Horner talked to NBC Chicago, Nico. Um, and he, he talked kind of about just that, um, Brendan, mm-hmm. that n- not, not you know, the team winning games, but that them winning games is important uh, for future free agents and creating an environment for the guys that are here now to be competing in winning games, close games, things like that. And uh, one of the quotes he said to, uh, again, NBC Sports Chicago, the baseball we have is incredibly meaningful for guys on an individual level, as well as creating momentum into next year and proving that we are closer to winning than people realize and giving an accurate look for free agents to look at. I think all of that is incredibly important and it's all closely related. It doesn't have to be years and years in these situations. So firstly, I love the attitude. Nico wants to win. He doesn't. He doesn't I mean, want to play on rebuilding I mean, games. I mean, yeah, yeah. But uh, in addition, I I do think that's true, right? Like we see free agents, and we'll talk about this a little bit with some of the quotes that Fran Mil Reyes had on Wednesday as well. But like we see players sign with bad teams all the time, right? Detroit has had some good years and some competitive cycles in our lifetime, Brendan, but Javi Baez signed with one of the worst teams in the league currently, right? Because they gave him the most money. So it it doesn't always matter. But 
We did hear Carlos Correa say that he didn't really think the Cubs were going to be super competitive this year, and he didn't particularly like that when considering whatever deal they were offering to him. Uh, So it is important for this team to look good and to see some of the talent on this team. It's also important for the young pitchers, especially in the bullpen, to have high leverage innings to pitch in, right? If the team is getting blown out all the time, you don't have the ability to get some of these guys that kind of quality experience. Exactly right. It it, it sets up the environment for your guys to adapt, to grow, that has uh, value for next season when the games do matter. And also to Nico's point, which by the way is attitude, you know, like that that type of like serious, like captain like uh-huh. attitude. I'm being dead serious about this. Like I'm not just like of course I'm biased and whatever, but like Nico has that captain because mindset. you're in love with like, him. I, I mean, maybe a little yeah. bit, but like he has truthfully, he just he's stable, cool under pressure. Ross compared him to David Ortiz from a clutch factor. He did say that, even though he didn't really say that, but he kind of did. But going back to that point, you know. Teams and other players are looking at what the Cubs are doing. And there are possibly other Carlos Correas out there who do look at what they're doing on the field right now. Some guys have different preferences of where they want to sign. Uh, I do know for John Lester for 2015, the Cubs played that type of scenario during their pitch of him pitching in Game 7 of the World Series. And... You know, that actually did happen. Right. But they painted the picture that this could happen like right away. Like you're not signing off for some type of rebuilding atmosphere, some some rebuilding team. And from day one, Lester joined that team and it was the best pitching signing in, in history. And they made the playoffs that year. And it appears that that would happen in 2014 going into 2015. So it does matter. Winning games, of course, doesn't seem that important. But when you consider what's going into that, type of win and what that means for other certain free agents, it is significant. Right. And I, I might as well have this tattooed somewhere in my body. I don't, but you'll recall what that his when John Lester signed and did his introductory press conference, he said, I'm here to win. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not here to pitch for a bad team. I'm not here to pitch in meaningless games. I'm here to win. Of course, right. this is a all you know. As always, we work our way into this. He did just that, Brendan. As uh, they he they did. won the World Series and won the World Series, correct? correct. Yes, yeah, correct. Um, yeah. There we go. We need when yeah. next time uh, you know I'm in studio or we have Joey uh, producing with us. We need like a bell for when we ding, work ding, that ding. reference in. There it is, folks. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, so I do think it's important. And look, like they're not going to end the year in, you know, they're not going to be a good team all of a sudden at the end of the year. They're not going to make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. But you do want to be able to pitch to free agents like, hey, like Nico Horner is a four and a half win player. Why don't you come and turn double plays with him up the middle at Wrigley Field? We're going to add to this pitching staff. Keegan Thompson's doing well. Steele's doing well. Marcus Stroman will be back. You can be a part of that. Like it, it is important for this team to not be a complete mess, right? Like, and we've seen that. It, it sort of looks like that in Washington, the team that the Cubs are just playing, where it's like, yikes, yeah. like this does not look good everybody's very young. They just seem very far away. Like, you don't want that. You want it to appear, right, that this is worth joining. So I I do agree with Nico in that regard. Um, I agree with Nico, too. You always agree with Nico. I always do. Um, 
so let just real quick let's go through these box scores and and set the table here on Monday it was a five to four nationals win so the uh, nationals started this series with a W it was Marcus Stroman, four and two-thirds, six hits, four runs, none of them earned, that coming on a Zach McKinstry error, one walk, four strikeouts. Stroman's ERA now sitting at 3.96. The Cubs got their runs in this one on two Ian Happ home runs, his 11th and 12th of the season, and a Fran Mil Reyes RBI triple and a Seiya Suzuki RBI single. Talked about this uh, with Cody and Ryan in the CHGO studios on Monday's postgame show, but that brings Ian Happ to 99 career home runs. So his next one, uh, if he doesn't do it in this uh, makeup game with Baltimore on Thursday, maybe comes at Wrigley Field, and that would be a very nice milestone for one Ian Happ. On Tuesday, it was Justin Steele. Six innings, five hits, no earned runs, one run, but it wasn't earned. Two walks and five strikeouts. Another quality start from Justin. He picks up, uh, he does not pick up the win, a no decision in this one, but his ERA now 3.43 on the season. We'll talk about him when we we finish this up, so we have some, some good stats and, and stuff to look at for Justin Steele. In this one, the Cubs getting their runs. Nelson Velasquez, RBI double. Nico Horner, RBI double. PJ Higgins, RBI single. Fran Mil Reyes hitting his 11th home run of the year. Wilson Contreras uh, flying into a sacrifice double play, not a sentence you read particularly often, in the top of the 10th. This one went to extras, and it was the top of the 11th that the Cubs get it done. Patrick Wisdom with an RBI double and Seiya Suzuki with an RBI single. The Cubs win this one 7-5. to five. On Wednesday, it is another good start for Drew Smiley. We keep saying this, but I probably would have traded for him if I were uh, a competitive team at the deadline. Uh, nobody did, so he keeps delivering nice starts for the Cubs. Five and a third, four hits, two runs, no walks, and four strikeouts, a 3.67 ERA on the season for Drew Smiley. Stephen Brault coming back uh Anderson Espinoza option down. Stephen Brault coming back. Two innings, one hit, no walks, two strikeouts. He has yet to give up a run for the Cubs in some limited work this year. Rowan Wick with his eighth save of the year. The Cubs getting their three runs in this one on a P.J. Higgins two-run home run, his sixth of the year, and a Jan Gomes RBI single that won the game in the seventh. So that is all she wrote for the series. Uh, again, the Cubs win their fourth in a row. And uh, we'll start with Justin Steele, Brendan. Three earned runs or less in each of his last eight starts, a 1.67 ERA with 50 strikeouts in 43 innings pitched in that stretch. Um, we've talked about Justin a lot. He continues to do this. He continues to sort of raise some very serious questions. We He's going to be in the rotation next year, but the, the serious questions he's raising are what is that ceiling and how high can it be? Um, so just your, your general thoughts on, on this one from Steele. And one thing uh, that I think Jordan Bastian of MLB.com pointed out, he worked in seven changeups against the Nationals in this game. Uh, in the second inning, he got a double play ball. Uh, to third base with that pitch. And he said, quote, that's huge as far as building confidence with that pitch. That's exactly what I was trying to do 
in that situation. So uh, as we've seen with other guys, kind of working in uh, another pitch, trying to build out that repertoire. Exactly. Before he threw those seven pitches, those seven change-ups, he had only thrown 29 change-ups to the entire season, Corey. So that is a huge spike in usage of that pitch. And to hear him say, yeah, I'm feeling comfortable with that pitch is huge. That's why you can't look at each individual start, as we've talked about throughout this season, as like a finale. Like this is who they're going to be for 2023. It's just not how it works. With Keegan, he's developed his slider. I'm hoping now going forward in the next five to seven starts for Steel that the changeup becomes more used. It becomes a frequent pitch. And if that's the case, well, now he has potentially five pitch types. In this start, he threw mostly four seamers as he typically does. He had six whiffs on those four seams. The command was still great on that pitch. Slider command also very good. Six whiffs on his sliders as well. Again, as Bastion said, seven changeups. He did get three swings, one whiff, a double play on the pitch. He also threw five sinkers. So he, the sinker usage has been hit or miss for Steele throughout his career. He's had some games where he throws that pitch once every four times. Most of the time, within the past three months, he's not used that pitch whatsoever. But clearly, going into the start against the Nationals, there is a philosophical switch in his usage and his sequencing. And the biggest change was that change-up usage. And I personally, for me, I... I, I would love to see that more. If he can be comfortable with that pitch, then I, it might change how we compare Steele and and Keegan in terms of like which guy do you feel more comfortable with? Because right now it's a coin flip. But if Steele can develop that changeup, maybe the conversation does change. Yeah, I mean, I just continue to be very, very impressed, uh, you know, with Steele. Um, if you were nitpicking, I suppose, you know, you still might look at the inning stuff. Um, his last few starts here, six innings, six innings, four and two-thirds, three and two-thirds, five, six, six and two-thirds, five, five and two-thirds. You know, now we're all the way back into mid-June. So you'd like some more length, but we've talked about that a lot, Brendan. Well, he's still throwing, he's still throwing pitches, though, Corey. Like, he, he threw 96 pitches. Right. So, I mean, he's... I bring it up not to say, oh, well, he, you know, it's okay he's not going deeper. He needs to go deeper, don't get me wrong, but the reason he's not going deeper is due to a pitch limit. He's throwing almost 100 pitches. He's not going deeper because he needs to have another pitch that generates more whiffs. And the fact that the changeup was implemented in that start mm-hmm. suggests going forward he's going to get more whiffs, and then 96 pitches over five innings becomes 96 pitches over six right. innings, and that's a huge difference. Yeah, and well, and I was just going to continue that we've also talked about how much the game of baseball is changing and how few, you know, really true, like, eight-inning, eight complete-game guys there are, right, in this league at this point. It's just not necessarily how things go all the time uh, in this league, and especially in the playoffs. Everything is so, you know, matchup scrutinized and hyper-focused that it's rare unless a guy is really, truly dealing. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks, game six of the 2016 NLCS level, right? That you see a guy go that deep in most playoff games, right? Um, so I, I I think this is all good progress. And the, the changeup being thrown seven times, like you mentioned, is, is a potential uh, help to some of this stuff. 
And it, it's also a, a reminder of what we've talked about a lot with Steele and Thompson, especially in that these are still works in progress, which I think uh, is the most exciting part about Steele specifically. Like he right now, Justin Steele, you know, I read off that one stat, like he is the Cubs leader in innings pitched. He's the Cubs leader in war for pitchers. He's the Cubs leader in ERA plus for pitchers like he's really putting together a fantastic season for this pitching staff the best season for this pitching staff and he still has stuff that they can put together here not only just over yeah. this last month and a half but over the off season and then coming into spring training like this is I, I don't think that we're we've even seen Justin's final form here and this is already a, a really solid season for sure. If he can develop that changeup, and it, let's say he throws that pitch 10% of the time by the end of September, and he's getting more whiffs, that changes the outlook of what you can expect him going forward. Now, the reality is, with both those guys, Keegan and Justin Steele, as we've said, if this whiff rate around 20% keeps going for both those guys, which is below league average, they're probably back of the end starters, back of the rotation starters, which is also fine. But you know, because the other stuff is so interesting and so, I guess, tantalizing, if you want to call it that, all it takes is a, an additional pitch type they're comfortable with that moves you from the back of the rotation to like the middle of the rotation. And that would be huge. That's beyond like, I mean, that's like a top percentile projection if that happens, Corey, for both those guys. Right. Yeah. I. This is. It's just so encouraging. And the other thing with with Steele Thompson ha- has this too. But I think Steele might have this. Uh, maybe more so. Like especially in this series against Washington, you just he just like he gets so jacked up. Uh, I think Keegan does too. He not- Keegan does too. But I just feel like we've well, seen it. You- you think Steele is a little bit more like amped up? It, well, and just more recently, I guess we've seen it with Steele. Like when Saya uh, had that throw uh, to get the guy at first base in the start on Tuesday, I think it was Robles for Washington, was too far off. Saya caught the ball and doubled him off at first. Like Justin was pumped at the, he got that double play. He was pumped. He got out of that sixth inning, just like jacked up. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just you, to go along with those numbers, you just love that attitude, I think, from pitchers. It's it's very amusing when Kyle Hendricks is, you know, striking out guys or throwing a complete game and he walks off the mound like, you know, he's doing his taxes, right? Like there's just not, that's very funny at the, you know, the the counterpoint to that though is like, it's, it's fun to watch a guy like Steele execute something get out of a big inning, like finish a quality start and just feel that electric kind of energy when he's coming off the mound. Yeah. Okay. Quick break here from our sponsor points bet points bet sportsbook is counting down the days until football season with a new offer every day until the season kicks off from now until September 8th. PointsBet Power Hour will unlock a new daily offer from 12 to 1 p.m. Central. Sign up for PointsBet right now using code CHGO to also get risk-free bets up to $2,000. Don't miss out on your chance to get daily access to free bets, boosted odds, and so much more now through September 8th. But that's not it. If you make a $51 or more first-time deposit, You'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get 
a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO to take advantage of this limited time offer. Don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like DeMar with apparel from the leader in sports, merch, collectibles, all of it, FOCO. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, Brendan. So I want to talk about our uh, our large adult son friend, our new large yes. adult son friend, Fran Mill Reyes. Yeah. Um, the gift from Cleveland that Thank just keeps Cleveland. on giving. Yeah. Um, what was the other for gift, four? by the way, before we, you know, before we move on here? We already it? did that, Brendan. We can, you know, there's never... Can we the, do it again? We, we, this is our podcast, Corey. We can do it as much as we want. I think The I, other gift from Cleveland was the rain uh, on mm, a particular November mm, evening mm. Uh, that, <laughs> that helped everybody out. And uh, when the rain cleared, yeah. uh, the Cubs won the World won Series. Won the World Series, Corey. Yes. There it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, yes. Anyway, Franville, yeah. Yes. Let's see if we can do a third later. Let's try it. How many times can we do it? Um, (laughs) As many as we want. (laughs) Um, One for four in the game on Monday. Uh, In the game on Tuesday, Fran Mill goes two for five. He had the home run in that game. And then in the finale on Wednesday, two for four uh, with two doubles. This is one of those things where... I feel like, you know, sometimes come over, we've seen guys get hot, even over just the last year, you know, you've had a a countless number of examples of guys look hot for a little bit, peter out coming into this year or throughout this year, things like that, right? The the thing that has remained intriguing for Franmil is that what we're seeing looks more in line with a four-year career sample going back to 2018 with the outlier being the first half of this season where he wasn't any good, right? Yeah. So that's why I keep getting excited about this, even though it's it's still a small sample with the Cubs. Yeah. But this is a guy who, since 2018, 285 plate appearances with the Padres, 129 WRC+, plus, 16 homers. 2019 with multiple teams, 548 play appearances, 111 WRC+, plus, 37 home runs, right? Shortened season with Cleveland, 9 home runs in 241 play appearances, 116 WRC+. Plus. Uh, 2021, 466 play appearances, 125 WRC+, plus, 30 homers. Like, when you look at what he was doing in Cleveland this year, and I think he came to the Cubs with like a 69 WRC+, plus, what of those two options, those four seasons I just read, or the 69 WRC plus in 2022, which of those seems like the outlier? Right. And when you look at what he's doing with the Cubs, what does that line up more with? Yeah, yeah. you would have to think, based on the total sample, that the bulk of his performance is more realistic towards something between what we've seen with the Cubs and what he's done uh, with, with Cleveland. 
the question I have is how does he fit on this roster for next season? And clearly the DH spot will have to lose flexibility if Randall is to get significant playing time. The outfield jam will be quite large going into the offseason. You have Morrell, Brennan Davis is playing baseball games again. That's really great. Nelson Velasquez has looked good. Ian Happ's coming back. Saya, which we'll talk about, uh, is going to be on this roster, of course. You have so many options that Fran Mill is probably restricted towards DH. So, Corey, the question is going to be, if he ends up going off in the next six to seven weeks here, whatever we have left, how much stock do you want to put in that sample? to lock down at-bats in your GH spot. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, well, they did that last season with Frank Schwindel. Did not work. They did that with Ortega last season. Has not worked. And they used the same sample size that we will be using to evaluate Fran Mil Reyes. Now, the ages are different. The career trajectories are different. Fran Mil does very have... Different. Very different. Fran Mil has a precedent of major league success. So it is a different evaluation method, but there's still a level of uncertainty there that some fans, even, I don't even know where I stand with this myself, may not totally commit to Fran Mill in a significant role, despite him going off in the next six weeks. Although he could go go off in a, a huge direction where it does change some people sneaking and maybe perhaps, again, I don't know where I stand on this yet, but maybe my thinking as well, but it's going to be it's it's a delicate situation because you don't want to overcommit in a way that stops the front office from going out and approving the positional roster. Yeah, I mean, I, without knowing how they intend to build the roster, it's tough to commit to that now. But I think yeah. if he does continue to look like the player he's been for the majority of his career, he does have some minor league options, and as we've talked about like when when we first talked about this like he just has a a particular skill that is difficult to come by right this type of raw power and the ability to just just bludgeon the ball right the way that he has been is not an easy thing to come by so i i do like the idea of having that around and like you said you know in comparison to guys like frank and ortega like those guys did not have any past success at the major league level you know what frank was doing last year was not something that he had ever done at the major league level and so there wasn't any precedent of that continuing uh i do want to read though i i love hearing this and there's a couple reasons that um i i want to read this yeah firstly i just love hearing this from guys um Fran Mill talked uh in you know to mlb.com and to to some of the reporters about how change of scenery is something he believes in, right? I don't know what happened in Cleveland. I, I'm not sure what went down there, but he feels like a change of scenery was really important for him. And he said, uh, quote, my confidence went from 20% to like over 120%. <laughs> okay. uh, we'll, we'll ask our um, advanced metrics guy, Cody Del Mendo, if it's yeah. possible to uh, hit 120%. I don't think so, but I love the, I love the idea. We'll find out. He goes on to say, the way they treat me here, the way they let me play, the way they let me be me, it's special to be here. Now, he's having early success here. He got claimed here after, you know, getting cut loose by Cleveland. So you don't expect him to not say good things about the Cubs. But I always like reading that stuff because 
they're in some circles, social media, uh, bitter, you know, beat writers, things like that, sometimes like to paint this picture that because the Cubs haven't been good or people don't like the Ricketts or whatever, right, that free agents won't want to come here. I already brought up Javi going to Detroit as one counterexample to that when we were talking about, you know, what Nico said about the team playing well. Um, I just like reading that stuff because we heard from David Robertson. We heard from Michael Givens. I think Chris Martin also spoke about this. And now Fran Mil Reyes. And I, I don't think that's it either. We've heard this from several people that Nick they really like yeah, the, they really like the way that the Cubs treat them and bring them in and the infrastructure and how the coaches and front office are working with them to help them be better or get back to where they once were in their career or change how they're doing things to reach a new level. That's the type of stuff that, again, like at this point, I don't necessarily expect Fran Mill to say something else, but it's not the first time we've heard this. And that's what you want, right? You want to be the team that claims a guy off waivers and turns him into something that another team couldn't figure out, and then he's speaking glowing about the experience. That seems like a good sign. It does. You know he has comfort with the Cubs already because of hitting coach Johnny Washington, who he's worked with in the past. Now he's with the Cubs. And Fran is still a young guy, too. He just turned 27 a month ago. So... He kind of fits that unpredictable, non-linear trajectory. We've seen guys on that trajectory as recent as this year with Ian Happ. We've seen that with Javi Baez with a non-linear trajectory. A little bit sooner than these guys, but we also saw with, with Kyle Schwarber. Schwarber was kind of like this hit or miss guy, and ultimately he became you know, 35, 40 plus homer guy, signing almost $100 million contracts, and he wasn't given... Uh, uh, he was not offered. He was not tendered a contract just like 18 months ago, whatever it is now. So trajectories are not linear, as Theo has taught us. And the fact that Fran was saying that, and he has history with current Cubs coaches, he feels good visually. He looks good. The opposite field power is still there. He's still going opposite field uh, with the majority of his you know power with the Cubs, which uh, in the years past, he's been going to the pole side. So that's something, again, maybe he's finally clicking into that. I think that's, that's a point of emphasis where we'll have to figure out why he's doing that. Maybe we can talk with Ryan Herrera mm-hmm. about that that process. But like the home runs of the opposite field, he just was not doing this frequently this last year. And I thought maybe when the Cubs got him, that might be like one of the issues why he wasn't hitting well. But now he's having success still going to the opposite field. So we'll, we'll get some information with Ryan perhaps about that. That. But this is all to say that you have to be at least open to the idea that Fran Mill is a guy. It's just from now until the end of September, how much stock you want to put in the sample is going to be up to you as as a fan. And it doesn't really matter because I think the coaches in the front office are going to are going to weigh it much differently than than us. And I, I imagine just thinking about it now, I imagine that there if he has success talking with Johnny Washington, looking at the data, I imagine they may, they may be more inclined to give him a significant role than maybe mm-hmm. some fans would be inclined to. Yeah, and I mean, you know, depending on how you continue to build the roster, right? Like, I'm not, we're, we're, we're still not sure exactly, like, how Nick Madrigal will factor into things. He's also been doing good, surprisingly. And you look at Nico as well, like, I mean, obviously Nico— stuff, yeah has has improved uh, in the power aspect of his game relatively. But, you know, you do have some contact-heavy guys in this lineup if you 
go out, depending on who you go out and pursue in free agency, et cetera, sometimes it's good to just have a guy that can maybe mash 35 home runs, right? To yeah. kind of mix in there. You got a couple guys who can get on, move guys over, put the ball in play. Frymill comes up, blasts one onto Waveland. There You're you feeling go, it. Right? You're a big Frymill guy. I can tell. I like it. I, I just do. get, I get I this mean, tone from you. There's certain guys who are like, I, you know, I like it. And I like the Cubs picking up something that another team didn't want and making them look stupid. Especially I, Cleveland, like, right? Yeah, this just yeah. does not really look good for Cleveland, no, uh, especially as not. they're competing to win a division. It just yeah. seems like something that they, they probably would have liked to have figured out. <laughs> yeah. P.J. Higgins has a nice game on Wednesday. He hits the home run, his sixth of the year, one for three with two RBIs in that one. He also plays in the game on Tuesday, starting at first base, one for three in that one as well uh, with an RBI. So, He's an interesting guy because he's doing this with fairly inconsistent playing time, right? He plays in the game on Wednesday, also on Tuesday. Before that, it was August 11th and 10th. Before that, the 7th, 6th, 4th, July 31st. So he's not getting in there every day, right? But when he does get opportunities, he's gotten on base, uh, I think, in nine of the last 10 games where he has had a plate appearance. Sometimes he's come in just for defense at first base or catcher, things like that. Uh, So he's, you know, one of those guys where he's 29 years old. um, So what you're expecting from him long term, I, I don't know. But overall on the season now, he's got a 144 WRC plus a 283 batting average, 356 on base, 528 slugging, six home runs, 20 RBIs. Um, he can play multiple positions. We've seen him at catcher. We've seen him at first. We've seen him at third. He's uh, started a game, I think, at DH. So he's been all over the place. Um, I, you know, he's an interesting guy, I think, right? Like, especially just as a depth piece, he's got three MLB, you know, MILB options. So, I he's is he the type of guy where you would be excited next year if he was uh, you know part of a catcher rotation or something a first base rotation things like that maybe yeah. not yeah. right like it's not jumping off the page um yeah. and you know previously his only MLB experience was in 2021 where he only got 25 plate appearances like I don't know how much we are going to make of that um, has usually hit pretty well in the minors. Um, so I, I, this is all just to say I'm not really sure how much he factors into the future plans, but he is a guy who is getting somewhat of a look, if not an inconsistent one, in 2022, and he's doing the most with it. As far as he is concerned, he is doing everything in his power to work himself into any conversation, however big or small. I want to ask you a question. Let's say sure. he continues success throughout September. Let's say he ends the season with a 350 weight on base average or a WRC plus of 110 to 115. Jan Gomes is under contract for next mm-hmm. season. Jan Gomes will be back. He will be catching games for the Cubs. Just it's a matter of how many games he catches. Wilson's a free agent. Right. PJ Higgins is a catcher. Would you feel comfortable not going after and spending money on a catcher and committing, at least if PJ does have success, to Jan Gomes and PJ behind the dish next season? I in, in Almost immediately, no, but okay. I could be convinced if you <laughs> could told you, though? me. If they, oh, if you told I, me I don't they think were, you could. I don't if, think you could. If they, okay, if they said we're going to sign Carlos Correa and Aaron Judge, <laughs> I'd be like, you can put Brendan back there at catcher. I don't care. <laughs> right? me and coach, I can do it. 
Actually, yeah. maybe I can't catch, but eh, we'll see what happens. But how that, are your knees? Knees are not good. That's yeah, what. I don't, that's I don't, what, I don't, that's what I don't ended know. my uh, my my shining high school yeah. baseball career. So actually. that's that's my answer. Like that 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 does not inspire a lot for me. Jan has been really good behind the plate. I think I think he works really well with these pitchers, especially the younger guys. A lot of people have spoken really glowingly about how he calls games and how he helps them, you know, sort of attack hitters and read hitters live, you know, as things are going on during the game. But unless you're really upgrading that rotation or the infield or the outfield, I I don't know about that. Now, the counter to that, though, is like there's not great solutions at catcher if you're going to let Wilson leave, right? Like it's it's not, you know, the easiest position to just go it's not like the you know you look at the shortstop market potentially coming up in this offseason and it's loaded, right? right? You could have five potentially guys that are just huge names, all-stars, things like that. It's not like that at catcher. So if you're going to let Wilson leave, which maybe is what they're going to do, right? I mean, I, I think it, I think you believe he's gone. I have yet to see any indication that Jed Hoyer has interest otherwise. Right. So that's my position on that. Yeah. So looking at that situation, Jan Gomes, the past 50 plate appearances, his WRC plus is actually 105. He's done a lot better, Jan Gomes, recently. If you splice down that sample even shorter in his last 35 plate appearances, his weight on base average is over 400. So he has wow. turned it. Yeah, he he's has a turned regular Johnny Bench back He's there. back, right? So... This is all to say that there's a lot of season left, and Jan Gomes, his offense may turn around. I don't know the reason for the offensive deficiency in the first three and a half months of the season, but if Jan Gomes, by the end, end of September, like other guys like Fran Mill, turns it on, the sample's larger, you feel comfortable with that bat, maybe there's a possibility they just commit to PJ and some other mild mid-tier catcher and free agency and Mm -hmm. Jan Gomes and use that money elsewhere and then if that's the case I know that that's the case I'm gonna I'm gonna mix in Fradnell here if that's the case you let Wilson walk and you have confidence that the DH spot will be given with some idea of confidence to Fradnell Reyes that might be what happened I don't know I mean I I, yeah again like there's only so many pathways to do this uh and your decision on Wilson I mean, you know, you and I, I think for a while now have been in the boat of like, it really makes more sense to find a way to keep him. Um, I mean, if you're, yeah, even if you're not utilizing him as, as the catcher every day, which they don't really, uh, that's fine. But the bat is really helpful at catcher, first base, DH, whatever you want to do. The only, you know, like teams win with defensive catchers all the time. The, The thing that really gives me pause is like, Jan Gomes is 35. You can't right? rely on that age. Bro. If if this is a competitive team next year, right? He's been 35 for 29 days. So if this is a yeah. competitive team next year, you're going to have the last few months of a season with a 36-year-old starting catcher. It's right. it's not impossible. It's been done before, it's right? Uh, dude, I, I I figured it out, right? The <laughs> Cubs, when they won the World Series in 2016, yeah. had they multiple older correct. catchers, you're right? right. You're right. When they won the World Series, right? Yeah. Two two of them played in Game 7 and got You're hit. Right. Which they won, by the way. Yeah. Right. So I knew we could do it. I know. We challenged ourselves and we did Look it. Look at us. So it, it's doable, but like, eh, that would really give me pause, right? Because then, and again, going back to the discussion on P.J. Higgins, he's doing really well now. This is still a small sample. 
And this is other than 25 plate appearances in 2021, in which he was really bad, by the way. Like, he just doesn't have MLB experience. So he would be a 29 or 30-year-old question mark, right? Coming off of what right now is a pretty solid year in limited playing time and a 36-year-old defense-first catcher who is not, you know, is is having a, a poor offensive season, even relative to his kind of norm in some past seasons where he hasn't been yeah. that good. So, yeah, they would have to really be juicing up the rest of that roster for me to be comfortable with yeah, that. But it, it may be something they just have to try to figure out. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, before I break here for, for our sponsor, the last thought I had was maybe – there is a team out there who wants to take that risk in PJ Higgins as the Padres took that risk sure. in Victor Caratini, right? Where you have building value is never bad. It's never a bad thing. So that my expectation going into the offseason is that we're going to see some prospects traded. There's just, the volume of prospects is so high right now. And you may not have those superstar esque prospects that some scouting reports uh, say the Cubs lack. But the volume is high. You have to think that some teams will be able to give up majorly value for those guys. So all yeah. that's to say is like maybe PJ Higgins is in that package. All right, okay. Brendan. So as everybody knows, our leading sponsor is, of course, PointsBet. Use that code CHGO when you sign up. And I am going to turn to you for your points bet pick of the week. If you've been following our guy Cody on social media, he's been doing a daily hit parlay that has been uh, very successful. Uh, if you want to join along with him, he does the CHGO Bet Show with the wonderful Sean Anderson. Uh, but Cody is not here, Brendan. So we are going to turn to you for your points bet pick of the week for this week. So points bet pick of the week is former Cub. I've actually I've, I've had problems watching, and his name is Yu Darvish. I miss Yu ah. Darvish so much, Corey. I loved you Darvish. He's very good. I actually had to mute him on Twitter because the pain was too much for me. Oh, wow. I know. But he is my pick of the week. Uh, Right now, you Darvish to record a win is minus 140. He does pitch against the the Nationals. Um, Also, the Padres are minus 300 that game. So seems like a decent line for you Darvish, but I just wanted to use this as a reason to say, you Darvish, I miss you. I come, you know, maybe... Two more years, you can come home. I know you love Wrigley. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, playing the Nationals, who we just watched, I feel like you, Darvish, against that lineup is a solid pick to carve them up. I think so. But I also just assume you and I are wrong uh, Which most is of the most time. Most of the time, so, yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, okay, so I do want to, uh, you know, we, we've talked about him a good bunch, uh, but Drew Smiley has just been, like, really good. I don't think, you know, we have too much to add on him, uh, but he's just been very good. He's got a sub-2 ERA in his few August starts. We obviously saw him do really well in the Field of Dreams game, good again uh, against Washington. And, you know, it's it's a necessary thing, right? We I, I talked with Cody and Ryan on Monday about how, um, you know, we're, we're not sure how they're going to manage Keegan and Justin's innings and pitches and things like that as we barrel toward the end of the season here. And things get a lot more difficult, Brendan, if you have a bunch of guys going out there throwing 
two innings and David Ross has to pull them because they're terrible, right? Like, and and every game is a mop-up game and you need to have so many long relievers. So the ability for Drew to come in and be as consistently good as he's been is not only good for, you know, what we talked about with Nico and this team just sort of playing better and, and looking better, uh, but it also just helps everything else. It makes it very, e- it makes it easier to manage a bullpen. It makes him easier to manage these other starts because he's reliable and you don't have to go and mop up a bunch of innings every time yeah. these guys start. Yeah, I, th- I think that's the the reason you see like Miley on this roster and, right. and, and Smiley. Coming uh, back to this com- roster. Coming back yeah. to this roster is because you're also seeing potential deficiencies is a very strong word, but you're seeing possible limitations of relying on Keegan and Justin to go through the entire season for their own development. So right. having Smiley... And health. So the way I'm looking at this is that Miley and Smiley, those I hate saying those two names back to back. My my, I like I, I have a seizure saying those two names back to back. But the way I, I look at those two is they're a buffer for Steele and Keegan. They're a yeah. buffer. It allows them more comfort, maybe more possibilities to develop those secondary pitches. And of course, you wish you could have traded Smiley. You wish you could have had Miley sure. for a healthy first half for trade value, but there is still value keeping them on the team right now so that you can use those innings to maximize other innings from Steele and Keegan and perhaps other bullpen guys as well. Yeah. So, uh, one more player to talk about and then we'll, we'll, uh, so we have, it's a weird, we have a single game with Baltimore to preview and then also an upcoming series. Uh, (laughs) so four games, two, it's not a series, I guess, with Baltimore. It finishes a series finishes with Baltimore. Series. Very yeah, weird. We'll go with that. Um, the Cubs are doing a, a little tour of Maryland here, uh, you know, and, and, and Washington, D.C., as they're in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do just want to touch on Seiya Suzuki really quick. Um, so part of the reason that I want to touch on him is that as of Wednesday, he is now a sub-league average hitter. Brendan, he's got a 98 WRC+, plus, a 241 batting average, 314 on base, 403 slugging. Uh, Nine home runs, 36 RBIs. So I am in the camp that I'm not particularly concerned about this. And not that I don't care what he does in his rookie year, but I just think there's so much to consider here that as long as he finishes the year having shown us those flashes, which we've seen, where his plate discipline was so good, his contact ability was so good, the power was there. We saw his arm on display in this series in Washington. He's got a cannon, like multiple times we saw him just unload throws, right? His base running has been good. He's got good speed, athleticism. Like, I just tend to think that as somebody going through all of the changes that he's had to go through, coming to America, joining a new organization, living in a new place, playing in a new place, adjusting to a new league entirely. You know, would I rather he be, you know, in the rookie of the year conversation, just tearing everything down and, and playing unbelievably? Of course. And it's not to just like sit and make excuses, but I just think that there's, it's natural for there to be growing pains in a situation like this. And it's clear that a lot of what has happened is it's not a lack of ability or we've seen stretches where he's been really good, right? 
it's all about adjustments. The league has adjusted multiple times. He's adjusted multiple times. And that battle is just part of the process. And for a rookie year for a guy, like, I think that's okay. Yeah, I think I think it's okay. Ideally, we're not talking about this. Ideally, we're talking yeah, about Absolutely. He's no question. so good. And fa- fans naturally are going to look at the contract given now and be like, what the heck? Like, why, why do we even have to go and debate if the adjustments are going to be worth it. It should be obvious. That's going to be the counter argument. With Seiya, the as you said, Corey, like the flashes have been there and the discipline has been there. There have been stretches where the discipline is perhaps too much, where he's not swinging at as many pitches inside the strike zone. He's too patient. There have been stretches, maybe even more recently, where he's swinging too much. Right. His, his chase rate in the last... 100 plate appearances is actually worse than league average. Say Suzuki's chase rate worse than league average in that 100 plus plate appearance sample, which is a stable sample size, by the way. Um, if you want to look at like the statistic reliability of that, so he's swinging at more pitches. That is the decision and the adjustment he and his team of coaches have decided to employ. Within that same 100 plate appearance sample. He is not hitting fastballs. His run value against fastballs has been minus four and a half runs. His run value against curveballs has been minus one and a half runs. But what's been a constant throughout the season is he's producing runs against breaking pitches, against sliders, which we talked about as recently as last episode. The one pitch that generates the most whiffs is a slider. So Say is still showing the ability within the actual at-bat, within the actual pitch, to adjust to those breaking pitches. The timing mechanism for those primary pitch dives, especially the fastball recently, has been off. Players have gone through those types of challenges. Ian Happ had the same problem. Couldn't hit fastballs for a while. Uh, Kyle Schwarbert, same thing. So many different examples. My thinking is that once he has that timing mechanism down, which we've heard he's been experimenting with, with mm-hmm. a leg kick, with a, a more exaggerated stride, once he figures out that timing mechanism, he has the underlying ability to just maximize his talent. And I am pretty confident he will be an above average hitter. I, I think it's been there. I think it's just a small little tweak will send him off and, and rocket him towards the top of the uh, run production boards. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, I, I, I agree with you. Like, ideally, this is not the conversation you're having, yeah. right? It would be much better if he were just thriving like he was in the beginning of the year and we're all freaking out and, you know, oh, it's say a mania, all of that. But I, I, I just think there's, you know, examples um, when guys are, are playing their first year in the majors, whether they're, you know, in an in international signing or just a rookie where, you kind of just get that sense like, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. Like, it's just not there. And I just, I don't feel that way with Seiya. I think everything you laid out is uh, well said. And it's a matter of making those adjustments. And sometimes those adjustments are, they come quicker, they happen faster. Sometimes they they take more time. But I think over the course of this offseason and spring training, like, and and these, you know, this last month and a half here, like, I I do believe he'll get there. Um at the same time, like, you know, I, yeah, I, I did, it is fair to talk about, you know, just like yeah. with anybody else, like he dropped below league average. So he I think did. it's, it's fair to talk about. And I think there's, uh, you know, certainly going to be some, some growing 
if you want to call it concern, rumblings, whatever, you know, amongst the fan base, you know, that that don't want to have that patience. I, I think our position would be have the patience. I, I, yeah. I think it'll pay off. It's it's okay that it's not happening immediately. It it's okay. Okay, so let's preview these upcoming four games, one against the Orioles in Baltimore, the other three against Milwaukee back at beautiful, historic Wrigley Field. Thursday, the makeup game against Baltimore is an afternoon game, 2 of 5 p.m. start time. Uh, Adrian Sampson gets the ball for the Cubs. This looked pretty good recently. Overall, on the year, 0-3, 3.88 ERA. He'll be facing Baltimore's Watkins, who's 4-2 with a 4.23 ERA. The Orioles are not going away. They're 61-56, still fighting for a wildcard spot. So this game will be very important for them. Always fun for the Cubs to go back in those environments that are competitive, at least for the other team. Uh, so that would be fun to see. On Friday, back at Wrigley, the Cubs have not announced any starter for this series yet, so stay tuned to that. They're probably just reorganizing, reshuffling things with the makeup game. Uh, Baltimore, or rather, Milwaukee has announced their starting rotation. The first game goes to Ashby for Milwaukee. He's 2 and 10 with a 4.24 ERA. That Friday, traditional 1.20 p.m. start time. Saturday, same 1.20 p.m. start time. Freddie Peralta pitching for Milwaukee that day, 4 and 3 with a 4.21 ERA. And then Sunday, another 1.20 p.m. start time. So a series of afternoon games. I like that. Uh, Brennan Woodruff gets the, mount, gets the ball for the Brewers, who is 9-3, the 3.53 ERA. Milwaukee has turned it around a little bit recently, but they're still 62-53, and 53, fighting for a division with St. Louis. The, the Central has been a mess this year. It's unfortunate the Cubs couldn't capitalize it on that. It was so winnable, dude. Like as so you're winnable. as you're reading that, it just was so winnable with a, a little more a little more effort and and a little bit more luck in the and health kinda, department, yeah. you know? And we kind of figured that would be the case. But hey, yeah. things are pointing up for next year and I don't see Milwaukee uh drastically improving unless they go outside their organization. So uh, take it for right. what you want. Uh what I'm looking for Corey just to be pretty brief here is that rotation how they line things up you have to think that keegan gets the ball again so i'm looking forward to seeing how ross uses him if he continues to use that slider and then i'm i gotta say i'm kind of interested in magical uh mm-hmm. not to say oh i'm positive about magical i'm just interested i think his uh quote unquote small resurgence has been uh, interesting to follow you know the cups have committed to him and then obviously seeing how that outfield situation um, develops. And I want to see more of uh, Nelson Velasquez. And you have to imagine that Fran Mill will keep any some playing time. Yeah, I mean, same for me. We saw Zach McKinstry lead off one of the games in this series. Madrid will lead off the other two. So, you know, how Ross continues to do that. And yeah, I mean, same thing. Just uh, who's getting this playing time um, and what they're able to do with it. I think that's pretty much the story of this last month and a half, you know, as well as the continued development of a lot of the guys that we've highlighted. So I think that is what we have for you today. Thank you for joining Brendan and I, and of course your support for the CHGO Cubs podcast. Don't miss uh, the CHGO Sky podcast as they get ready uh, for a title defense here in Chicago. Uh, our team with the CHGO Sky there, uh, Janice and Subria, do great work. So check them out as you get ready for their playoff run. Cody, Luke, Ryan, the squad will have you uh, for Thursday and Friday, getting you ready, uh, you know, for these games and post game. 
Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you again on Sunday after the Cubs wrap things up with the Brewers. Just after Sunday, we're not going to come back uh, to review the series with the Orioles uh, for one game. Uh, Brendan and I will talk to you again on Sunday. Thank you again for your support. And don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet. And as always, go Cubs.